before you sit down, stay standing just a minute. In the uh, Greek Orthodox Church, there's this tradition that began hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And they would literally have these services in the middle of the night, before the dawn, to symbolize uh, the little group of women that actually went to the tomb. And so they would come, and they still do it today, and they'll have this pre-dawn service, and they will, they will yell in Greek, which we won't, but they would yell, he is risen. And it's not just like, a, you know, the way we do it in America, where everybody's kind of orderly and everything, blah, blah, blah. but, but they, it's, they actually get into it, and it's like, he is risen, and they just they let this cry out. They still do it. And then the congregation answers and says, he is risen indeed. Can we do that? He is risen. He is risen. You can be seated. Thank you. Do we have our kids in the house? Let's say our elementary school group. Would you guys come forward before you go out to be with Jocelyn? I don't know how many we have. Piper, your dress is beautiful. Can I say that? <laughs> I love it. Come on. I'm going to do something different if you'll let me, okay? I'm actually going to sit, and I brought a carpet. Can y'all sit with me? Do you mind? So, uh, you know, sometimes church is for the old people, like the bald people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that's kind of a bummer, I think, can I, if I'm just honest. Because, you know, adults get kind of serious, and we do stuff like putting on coats and ties and whatever. And, it, you know, we get kind of stuffy. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted to take a minute and just acknowledge you guys and just say, hey, you are so important. You are vital to what we're doing here. And I wanted to tell you a little story before you go back to be with Miss Jocelyn. Is that cool? All right. So we had a little dog named Boo. Okay. And Boo passed away not too long ago. We were sad. Whole family cried. And we buried Boo in our backyard. And on the top of Boo's grave, we planted a dogwood tree. All right. And I went out this morning, and I cut a flower off of the dogwood tree. And I wanted to show you a couple things, because the dogwood flower is this amazing picture. And, you know, very different than our little doggy Boo, what happened after Christ Jesus was in the ground for three days? You know? He rose. That's exactly right. Christ Jesus rose. He busted out of the grave. Well, if you get out in nature at all, when you look at the trees and the flowers and the birds, you begin to see like the fingerprint of God all over the place. You can see his hands. And I wanted to show you this little dogwood flower because the dogwood flower is so cool to me because there's part of the flower that is uh, longer this way than the flower that goes this way. So what's that look like to you? A cross, that's exactly right. Look at that, it makes a cross. And then at the center of the dogwood flower, look, look, what, is that, what does that look like? Anybody know? A crown. Have you heard this? I mean, you are good. Way to go, dude. Man, <laughs> like you got it. I mean, wow. So it, it's like it literally, this flower makes a cross, and at the center of the cross is this little crown. And what do you think that crown looks like, or what could it look like in the Easter story? A crown, crown of thorns. Whose son is that? Come on, Mad Ham. <laughs> The crown of thorns. And where did the crown of thorns go? On Jesus' On his head. Now, in Israel, the thorns are big. They're not like our little thorns. They're big thorns. And when they would have mashed that onto his head, it would have made him, him bleed all the way around. And then, if you look at the flower, too, what do you guys see there? There's these little uh, marks at the end of each petal 
and they look a little bit like, you got it. They look a little bit like nail holes, and with even a little what could be symbolic of a little blood mark. Now, Christ would have had these big nails, probably six or eight inches long, and they would have gone through, they, they didn't go through his hands because it would have, it, he would have ripped out. They went through his wrist right here, because there's two bones. And then they would have gone through his ankles, where there's also two bones. And th this little flower, if you look closely, points us to the creator. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Pretty, pretty amazing. And you know, that's really, as you get out into the world and you're looking around and you're experiencing what God's created, his fingerprints are everywhere. So I want to pray with you before you go. But before we do, I wanted to say, uh, just a quick question. Do you guys know the Lord Jesus? Have you asked him into your heart? Yeah? yeah? Okay, cool. Well, then let's pray. And will you guys do me a favor? Will you guys pray for our adults today? They get a little stuffy, and they sometimes get scared to, like, get responsive and stuff like that. Can you, can you pray for them today? Y'all reach your hands out. We're going to pray for our adults, that they have as much fun in here as you guys are about to have with Jocelyn. All right, Lord Jesus, we praise you for our adults today, Lord. We praise you that some of them are bald. We praise you that some of them are dressed up and some of them aren't. Lord, we praise you that some of them come from all different places. Lord, we pray that you would bless them. You would bless this little church. You'd bless these uh, not-so-little kids, Lord. And I would also remind us, all of us, that when any one of us surrenders our heart to you, that you come and live inside of us, and it's not a small version of you. These little ones who aren't so little have just the same Jesus inside of them that the big people have inside of us. Lord, as we celebrate this Easter, would you remind us of the great story and the great name of Jesus? In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys can go see Miss Jocelyn. Oh, there she is right there. Come on. Y'all give our adults a hand. They need some help. Good morning. Happy Easter. We are in our uh, Easter sequence series. We're actually literally working right through the Gospel of Mark. Um, it is a little hot in here. Central office controls the heat, I'm told, somewhere way down on Carolina Beach Road, and we can't get the heat off, so enjoy the heat, and if you need to take your jacket off, which I might, please do. Um, so I am in, here's what we're going to do, uh, a little bit, little bit different today, but we're going to look at three passages of Scripture in Mark 15 um, and the very beginning of Mark 16. And then after each passage, so I'm going to read a chunk, and then we're actually going to look at that chunk, and we're going to pull out um, a character or a person um, that is in that particular chunk of scripture. So the first chunk we're going to look at, um, we're going to talk about um, a guy named uh, Simon. Simon from Cyrene. It's a really fascinating guy. Then we're going to read a second chunk, and we're going to talk about uh, Joseph of Arimathea. And then we're going to read a third chunk, and we're going to talk about one of my favorite characters in all the Bible, Mary of Magdala. Little village of Magdala is where she came from. Sound good? All right, so that's the plan. So we are in Mark 15, and we're going to read from uh, verse, we're actually going to start in verse 15. I think I put 16 up there. We're going to start in verse 15, and we're going to go all the way through verse 32. So here we go. I'm reading out of the NIV, but feel free to read whatever version is on your phone or wherever you like to read. <clears throat> the soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews. 
Again and again, they struck him on the forehead with a staff, and they spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from, from Cyrene named Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country. And they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. They'd offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him there. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. That's my littlest pumpkin back there. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things. Verse 30, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. I want to pause here and I want to talk about this guy, Simon of Cyrene. And um, let, me, let me just give some context to the scripture just a second. Um, anybody ever watch American Idol? It's on right now. There's three new judges, uh, Lionel, Luke, Fireworks. What's her name? Katy Perry. Perry. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> fireworks. All I can remember is that song. The fire. I won't sing it. Anyway, <clears throat> so Abby turns it on once in a while. Or the kids turn it on, and we'll end up watching it. And what's fascinating to me is a lot of times you just make fun of the characters, right? You get these kids up there, and they come up to sing, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe what they're wearing. I can't believe, you know, it's just like, oh, my goodness. But occasionally, the network decides that this is an interesting human, and we want to give a little backstory on them. You seen the backstories? And so they talk about, like, they're filming where they came from and maybe what their home likes life. Maybe they even film some of the suffering or difficulty they've been through as a person. And it's amazing, but what happens is when you begin to understand a person's backstory or a person's context is all of a sudden your heart opens a little bit to them, doesn't it? And it's amazing, but I find myself going from sort of scoffing at somebody, believe it or not, I'm not that holy, to looking at someone on American Idol going, wow, this person has a story and a name and an experience, and this is fascinating. And that's a little bit what I want to do today with the scriptures. We're going to take these three characters, and I sort of want to um, kind of open the door on them so that you can understand them, think of them as people, like thinking, feeling people with experiences and, and who have a unique persuasion because of where they've come from or where they are currently. And I think as we do that, the goal is that you would place yourself in the scriptures today. Because I think with these three characters you can find yourself in one or more of them. Does that sound good? Okay, so let's talk about Simon from Cyrene. Now, anybody know where Cyrene is? Mad Ham. <laughs> it is in North Africa. It's in North Africa. 
Now, <clears throat> um, this guy uh, would have been, it says he was coming in from the country. We just read it. Um, but he's really coming in from a country. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. Now, context. Um, in Roman law, Roman, a Roman soldier could literally grab you at any time and could make you carry something or participate with them in, in doing some act of, of work for one mile. Isn't that weird? Roman law, any time, any place, no matter who you were or where you were, they could grab you and say, get the point of their spear and go, hey, carry this for a mile. Now, um, we're not going here, but I do want to at least make a little note. That gives context to when Jesus said, if your enemy makes you carry something a mile, carry it two. That's where it comes from. That's the whole point there. Because under Roman law, they could say, hey, carry this one mile. So under Roman law, um, they literally had the right to grab somebody from the crowd and say, hey, carry this. Now, um, the reason uh, it says in, in a couple of their Gospels that Jesus actually left carrying his cross. Now, a cross would have probably weighed about 300 pounds. The cross beam, so the, the vertical beam, would have weighed about 200. The cross beam that Jesus would have been carrying would have weighed about 100 and he would have usually been tied to it, and he wouldn't have been nailed. You wouldn't have been nailed to the cross until you got to the place where they were going to crucify you. Now, what's interesting about Jesus is he had been whipped. I'm just going to give you some kind of facts here today, okay? I'm not really trying to play with your emotions. I'm trying to give you context and let you understand this whole situation. But under Pilate, Jesus had been whipped with a whip, and at the end of those whips would have had big chunks of, um, of lead. Never! Never, never, never in Rome did people get whipped with a cat of nine tails and crucified. It didn't happen. And the reason Pilate had him whipped before he had him crucified is he was trying to save Jesus from death. He was trying to satisfy the anger of the Jewish people and the mob that day. So he whipped him, and then he still ended up crucifying him. So Jesus would have walked out of that place. He would have been strapped to this 100-pound piece of wood. You can almost think of it like a telephone pole or like a you know, huge log. And he's literally walking. And because he had been whipped, and, and, and being whipped with a cat of nine tails, it was known um, that it could cause you to go blind. It could cause you to go lame. Because when that whip would have hit the back of your neck and your upper back, it would often sever the skin. And if it severed a nerve, you're blind. You're lame. So Jesus is carrying this thing, and most likely, as you look at all four gospel accounts that we're not going to do this morning, but he would have been carrying it behind his um, neck, his arms would have been tied to it, he would have been walking, and just by mechanics, if he fell, which way would he have fallen? Face first. And when he fell, the Roman guard there that day realized this man cannot carry this cross all the way down what's now called the Via Dolorosa to this place called Golgotha. He can't do it. Like, he literally does not have the strength because he's already endured a beating and he's endured this whipping. And so this Roman soldier begins to look around. Now, what's happening at the, at the time, if you remember the last couple weeks that we've talked, is the Jewish people were celebrating Passover. That's exactly right. They're celebrating Passover. If the Roman would have grabbed a Jewish person, they would have been unclean and unable to celebrate Passover. So the Roman cannot grab a Jewish person. A little bit further backstory, but um, uh, Pilate, who ruled this area, he was the governor of the area, had already been warned twice by the, the Roman emperor, if you mess up and cause a riot again, you're out. Like, I'm sacking you. You're done. 
So he'd been warned by the Roman emperor, and then Pilate would have warned his guys, no more riots, don't cause any problems. So the Roman soldier is sitting there that day, and he's literally going, I know that I cannot select a Jewish person because they'd be unclean, unable to celebrate Passover, so I've got to pick somebody else. So now he's looking at the crowd, and he's going, should I pick a Roman? If he picked a Roman to carry that cross, it would have been a sign of shame. It would have been a sign of displeasure. It would have been almost like a, a discipline or a sentence, and they would have been shamed the rest of their life. So at this point, this Roman guard in this moment, this centurion, he's getting kind of boxed in because he can't pick a Jewish person. He can't pick a Roman citizen. So he's looking around, and he sees a foreigner, an African, black skin, and he grabs that foreigner, Simon of Cyrene, and he says, you pick it up. Now hang with me here, because this has an incredible, I love this guy. He would have come forward, and they would have transferred the cross to Simon. And no doubt, as Simon walked that day, he would have made eye contact with who? Jesus. Jesus. And everything in Jesus, when he made eye contact with you, would have shouted, my son, your sins are forgiven. My son, you are loved. My son, you are accepted. This guy, this African man, was minding his own business, coming in from the country, and this Roman guy grabbed him, according to Roman law, and said, here, you carry this cross up the hill, and he had to do it. He's obligated under Roman law to carry something one mile. So he picked this thing up, and as he's doing it, I just imagine him finding the eyes of Jesus and looking away. And he carried this cross all the way to the hill called Golgotha. And we know what happened there. But Simon would have hung out there and watched this happen that day. Now, I want you to make a note. I'm not going to go there and read it. But if you're in your notes, write down Acts 12.25 to Acts 13.3. I love this. I love this. Simon was so impacted by carrying that cross. He would have been the first African to come to Christ. And he went on to lead one of the most powerful New Testament churches in a place called Antioch. It is amazing. Antioch was actually the place that sent out a guy by the name of, anybody know? Paul. who wrote 66% of the New Testament, who planted more churches, who ignited more fires, who created revival in the entire known world. And this man, Simon from Cyrene, or Simeon, as he's called in the book of Acts, would have been the one who sent him out. He goes on to lead one of the most powerful churches in the New Testament. He actually leads a guy to Christ who would have been by the name of Lucius, who's mentioned in those verses in Acts. And from that experience of carrying that cross, from seeing this Jesus, from minding his own business, that Roman who grabbed him out of the crowd because he was different, really discriminated against. Can we use that word? And let me also say the way America has discriminated against people of African descent, that God would choose an African to carry that cross up the hill. 
bless Jesus. You just think for a minute that God actually chose a Jewish man to incarnate himself into, and then he chose an African man to carry the cross, two people groups that have been so hated and spurned by Europeans, by Americans, all over. And that is who God selected in his sovereignty. Is that beautiful? Can we praise the Lord for that? Yeah, give him a hand. Come on. Jesus. In fact, let's just stop and pray right there. Lord Jesus, would you, in, in all honesty at this present moment, we are a mostly white congregation. And Father, I pray that you would do something unusual and you would raise up Simon from Cyrene's in our midst. Men and women. Men and women who have, uh, you have intersected them. You have called them out of the crowd. That Roman, that Roman soldier didn't call Simon out that day. You called him out. And you brought him up, and he carried that cross, and his life would never be the same. And he went on to become one of the most powerful New Testament church leaders, most influential. And Father, I pray that this house would be a house that is multicultural. And that, Father, you would ignite a move of God in this city that crosses age boundaries, socioeconomic boundaries, cultural boundaries, and that it would flow through all people. Lord, we bless you and we praise your name. Amen. If you're feeling marginalized this Easter and like you're not all that important, you don't matter, God doesn't pay attention, he doesn't see and know what's going on with you, maybe like Simon felt that day, I'd encourage you to come and give that heart to him. Ask him to speak to you. Ask him to minister to you. If you're here today and you're like, I'm just here because somebody drugged me, Maybe like Simon. Simon was just passing through. He had no business. He had no idea what was going on. He wasn't aware of the crucifixion that was happening. He had no idea what was happening with Jesus. And that Roman grabbed him and said, here, you carry the cross. If that's you, let the Lord Jesus intersect your story with his story today and let him author where you're heading from here. Okay, there's more, but I'm going uh, to keep going. Uh, another thing that I just love, um, just a little aside, but uh, the disciples of Christ were first called Christians in Antioch because of Simon. Isn't that amazing? It actually says it in the book of Acts. I mean, this guy was so influential because he intersected the story of Christ. First African that came to Jesus. Amazing. Okay, let's keep reading. Second passage, we're in uh, Mark 15. We're going to pick up at 33. <clears throat> it says at noon darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon Th this is literally like midnight darkness like the sun isn't working right now Jesus the light of the world is being extinguished and so darkness has fallen on the whole land <clears throat> verse 33 at noon darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon and at three in the afternoon Jesus cried out in a loud voice Elo Elo Lema Shebekathai which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then some of those standing near heard this, and they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, and put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Have you ever drink, drank vinegar when you're thirsty? Even in this, they're mocking Jesus. 
Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. It's important, because if humans ripped it, they would have ripped it from which side? Bottom to top. And when the centurion, who stood there in front of Jesus, saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. Some women were watching from a distance, and among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, and of Joseph, and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. It was preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, there's our guy, a prominent member of the council who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. And Joseph brought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. The word of the Lord. I posted on, um, I think it was our Saltbox Instagram. I'm not sure, but I think it was Saltbox Instagram. Maybe it was mine. I don't know. One of the Instagram accounts. Um, a picture of this hill called Golgotha that was taken in the 1940s. And uh, what's amazing is under Roman law, uh, or excuse me, under um, uh, Israeli law, there were certain things that if you did, they were worthy of death. And so uh, if they were going to kill you, they would actually drag you outside of the old city in Jerusalem. And there was a stone quarry right outside the old city walls. It's still there. And uh, there was a hill that they had been mining. And th there's actually in the hill, you can see this face. Um, it was more visible in the 40s than it is now because it's continued to erode. But you can see eyes, nose, and mouth. It literally is most likely the hill called Golgotha. And it would have been on the crown, the top of that hill, where uh, Christ would have been crucified in that Via Dolorosa road that Simon would have carried that cross with Jesus, led all the way through the old city of Jerusalem, out one of the gates, and up to this hill. Now, this guy named Joseph of Arimathea, he actually owned um, a little chunk of land that was adjacent to this mining spot. And, you know, just let me say quickly, but if you wanted to uh, stone somebody, you don't just take them out to a random spot. You've got to go where there are stones. So they'd drag them out of the city, and that's where they'd stone them. Well, Rome adopted the very same thing. They went, fine, we're just going to keep crucifying people there. And this is how we're going to do it. Now, a bit on crucifixion before we jump into Joseph of Arimathea. Um, crucifixion was the most heinous form of death ever devised, still to this day. The most heinous. Like, there is no more. Uh, worst way to die. And, and what it basically means is uh, you, get, you get pinned to a cross right through here. A six or eight inch spike would be sent through these two bones and those two bones. And then through the bones of your ankles, it would be sent through right there. And the whole purpose is that you would suffocate or... Uh, fluid would build up in your lungs and you'd actually drown. Or you'd die of dehydration. And it never took less than five days. Five days. And, and for each breath, you're hanging like this, and there would also have been ropes um, that, that would have tied you to, the, to that cross. But with each breath, you would have to push up against those nails through your ankles and against the nails in your wrists, and, and then you'd sag back down. And then you'd do it again. 
And occasionally, when Rome wanted to speed up the process, they would break the legs. So what could the person push up on? Nothing. You're trying to do a, you know, this, you know, pull up from your arm, from your arms, and these big spikes. So it would speed up the death. But the reason it was so heinous is because it would take five, sometimes six, sometimes seven days for a person to die. And I think an amazing point that must at least be um, pointed out is Jesus uh, died within six hours. Nine in the morning, he got up there. 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, six hours. Jesus gave up his spirit. It was finished. Nobody killed him. He said, it is finished. He gave it up. They didn't take Jesus' life. Jesus laid down his life. Now, Joseph of Arimathea, prominent guy, respected guy, wealthy guy. And he was a secret follower of Jesus. He knew this guy. He followed this guy. He had faith in Jesus, but he was afraid to do it publicly. Because what would the guys think of him, right? So he's a secret follower. He's going day by day. And, and actually at the council where they decided to kill Jesus, he dissented is what it said. But when you read the Greek, it actually gives you this idea that he dissented, but he was kind of timid in his dissent. So I would almost say what he was saying here was, I'm not going to like vote for it, but I'm going to kind of be like a mouse and squeaky and not really just saying, oh, I kind of disagree. He's scared. And, and you know what? If I would have been there, I'd have been the same way, I assure you. I'm not casting any judgment. But he's scared. And he is at the foot of this cross on this hill called Golgotha that day. And he is watching this Jesus that he loves and that he serves die. In fact, we talked a few weeks ago, but we talked about Jesus had one that was closest to him, probably John. Then he had a little group of three, Peter, James, and John. Then he had the 12 disciples. Then he had a group of 70, Scripture talks about. This guy, Joseph of Arimathea, would have been one of Jesus' 70. So close to Jesus but still cowardly, hiding. What if they kill me? What if they find out? And something happened on that hill that day where Joseph saw King Jesus dying, and he was emboldened. He all of a sudden, I think, started going, is it too late? Have I missed the boat? Is it over? And then you actually get, <clears throat> let me see if I can find it, but it actually says he boldly went to Pilate, after the death of Jesus. Where is it? Thank you. Thank you. 43. Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly. We see this massive shift in the character of Joseph. Like he changes. He is scared. He's scared he's going to be hurt. He's scared he's going to be crucified. He does not want to live boldly for Jesus. He's hiding in the backgrounds. And all of a sudden he encounters this Christ on this hill called Golgotha. He's watching him die and he's like, oh no, oh no, it's too late. It's too late. And he begins to be emboldened. And some of you may actually be here today, and you may be sort of living your Christian faith under a bucket. You believe, but you're not quite ready to be bold about your faith, bold about your belief, bold about the way you walk with God. And what's amazing is Joseph of Arimathea goes boldly to Pilate, and, and it would have been so, um, it actually would have been so difficult, so graphic, because when Pilate said, yes, go get his body, he would have actually gotten a ladder, and he would have put a ladder up on that cross, and he would have climbed up, and he would have had to take a knife, and he would have had to cut the ropes 
that were under Jesus' arms. And he would have had to, to take his hands and move them and pull them off of the nails, hands and feet. And Jesus' feet would have been swollen four, five, six times their normal size because of blood and fluid. And Mary Magdalene was standing, watching. And Joseph of Arimathea takes Christ Jesus down, and he takes him to this little place called the Garden Tomb. And it's actually a place in Jerusalem now. And I can't say with 100% certainty that the Garden Tomb is where Jesus was laid. But most likely, it's highly likely, let me say, that that's where he was. I put a photo of it on our Facebook and our um, Instagram if you want to see it. You see the Garden Tomb. I took an outside picture, an inside picture of the tomb, and a picture of Golgotha. Check it out. It's pretty amazing. But Joseph took the body of Jesus and he laid him in the tomb. And he went where he thought it was too late. I think Christ Jesus met him and went, it is not too late. It's only beginning. And Joseph went on to influence and be a prominent member of the New Testament church. And on that day, he boldly said, I am going to follow Jesus. And you might be here today. And God might be beating on your heart going, will you make a decisive decision to boldly follow me? To show your cards, to play your hand, to make it clear that you are a follower of Jesus whether it's at the office or the grocery store or in your neighborhood or wherever you live, wherever business you go about. The goal is not that we'd all become professional, paid Christian minister people. The goal is that we would all carry Jesus everywhere we go. And as we begin to do that, church, we can change a city. Let's go on. Man. Mark 16. We're going to read about Mary Magdalene, just a few verses. I love this, and then we're going to try to wrap it up. Starting in verse 16, or chapter 16, verse 1, it says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, or Mary from Magdala, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Do not be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. Jocelyn hung this behind us so families could get photos after the service in the Easter egg hunt. Isn't that cute? But what did the angel say? He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go and tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and they fled the tomb. And they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. I'm not going to read it, but then it goes on to say that Mary Magdalene went and told all the guys. Now, Mary Magdalene was a prostitute, most likely. She didn't choose that um, occupation because she wanted to. She would have been forced into it out of necessity. 
She lived in a little village called Magdala. One of my favorite places in the Holy Land is actually that little village of Magdala. And what's amazing is about 10 years ago, uh, they were building a hotel. And they're building this hotel, <clears throat> and they strike archaeological ruins. And it turns out that they discovered the village of Magdala. And in this village of Magdala is actually a synagogue, and they've uncovered the whole synagogue floor. And on that synagogue floor, they found a coin dated 29 CE, common era, or AD, if you like to think that way, after, after death. 29 CE. So how old would Jesus have been? Maybe 29, somewhere between 27 and, you know, 32. Time that coin gets circulated. What's amazing is that coin actually, according to New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, puts Christ Jesus on that very floor in the village of Magdala, preaching the gospel, and that is where he would have met this gal named Mary. And Mary had this whole colorful life that's being lived behind the scenes. And Mary would have been hated by the women because why? You got that, right? She also would have been hated by all the religious people because she's breaking the rules and she should have been drug out and stoned according to old Mosaic law, but they're now under Roman rule and they can't do that. So she's just continuing on in her ways. And she meets this King Jesus. And that same message that those eyes of Jesus would have communicated to Simon of Cyrene she would have found those eyes and found freedom and found forgiveness. There's even one of the passages that says she was delivered of seven demons. She was set free. And what I love about Mary of Magdala is she actually traveled with Jesus through Galilee. There was a whole group of women, and it says they actually cared for his needs. They would have cooked they would have loved on him. They were like the, the stage hands that made the ministry happen. We're always like, yay for the disciples. I'm like, yay for Mary Magdalene. She was making it happen. And actually, another passage says that she and those women were funding, paying out of their own pocket for uh, the, the food and the support that it required for Jesus and those disciples to live and to minister. They were making it happen. And then, and then, and then, get this, get this, because Mary is standing at that hill called Golgotha. She is there right in front of this cross. And where are all the guys? Do that again, Tim. Gone. One of the Gospels puts John there for a short time. The rest of the guys, gone. Everybody failed. And who stayed? Mary. Mary of Magdala. I love Mary of Magdala. I brought Abby <clears throat> when I came back from Israel a little necklace, and it's in a, a silver impression of that coin that was found on that synagogue floor. That would have been where Jesus met Mary. Mary did not run. Mary stayed. Now, I can't, maybe someday I'll tell you some of my story, but I've got a dark uh, hole in my life, seven-year hole. I'm the last person on the face of the earth that needs to be pastoring a church. Can I be that bold? I can't tell you my whole story because to do so implicates other people, and I can't do that at this present moment. But when you're forgiven much, what happens? You love much. 
because you recognize what you've been saved from, and you recognize what you've been saved to, and you recognize that you're not who you were. You might not yet be who you're going to become, but you are no longer this person that you were because Jesus has set you free. He has changed you. You see, we, we could say that the Christian walk for every one of us begins when we realize that Jesus died for us, but the Christian walk continues when we recognize that we die with him. Jesus preached the gospel seven times that I can find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And every time he said, take up your cross. That was before he died. Can I say that? That was before he died. He's preaching, take up your Like Simon from Cyrene. Like Mary of Magdala. Like Joseph of Arimathea. Take up your follow me. Mary Magdalene was there and she never left. She was there when Joseph of Arimathea laid him in that tomb. And then it was Passover so she could literally not touch and they couldn't anoint and they couldn't prepare the body of Christ like you normally would. So she had to go home and over that Passover day and over that Sabbath day she prepared spices is what it said. She prepared things to bring back to prepare the body of Christ like they would any body that had died. And as soon as she could go back, she was up before dawn, and she was going back over there with a small group of women, and who met her? The angel. Now, one of my favorite passages. I love this. I love this. Come on. All right, this is 16. Verse 6. It says, Don't be alarmed, he said, You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But here it is, verse 7. I love this. Women, some of you guys in the room, you got to get this, okay? You got to get this. This is really important. The angel says, I love this. The angel says to Mary, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is a going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. Listen to me. Biblically, when it says preach the gospel, it just means share the gospel. The angel said, Mary, go and preach the gospel to the boys because they've flaked out. They've run and Kid. Go and preach the gospel. There might be a woman in here today and you have felt marginalized, you have felt cast aside, you have felt discriminated against because of your gender. We have a female elder, she's not here today, but she's amazing. God willing, if the door opens, we'll have a female pastor. Oh my goodness, did he say female pastor? Yes, I did. Because my Jesus told Mary of Magdala to go tell the boys, the knuckleheads who ran away, the guys who went and hid, and she never ran. Go and tell the guys. If you're a woman here today and you felt cast aside, take heart, because Jesus has got something for you. If you'll stay the course, if you'll hang with him, if you'll surrender it all, 
And here's the deal. You might identify with Simon of Cyrene. Maybe you've been discriminated against because of the color of your skin, or maybe you've been discriminated against because of another reason. Or maybe you're here, and you're just casually attending today. Somebody drug you in here because it's Easter. You've got to be here. And Jesus wants to intersect your story with his. Or maybe you're like Joseph of Arimathea, and you're so wanting to be respected that you are afraid to boldly go out and declare that you are a follower of Jesus. Or maybe you're like Mary of Magdala. You've got a sordid past like I do. You've been forgiven much, or maybe you need to be forgiven much. You can do that today. Or maybe you're here and you're a woman and you've gone, I'm second class because I'm not a man. I would say to you, oh no, you carry the gospel. You preach the gospel. Go and tell the boys. Wherever you are in any of those places, find yourself in this story. And most importantly, let your heart dig into his and let him meet you on this Easter.